Hey guys, I'm Norman. And I'm Cassandra. If you enjoy this show, and we hope you do, consider checking out Second Breakfast, our weekend edition podcast exclusively for Patreon supporters. Where we discuss things mostly related to Lord of the Rings, including cast filmographies, The Silmarillion, and much more. For $5 a month, you'll get access to this and other Patreon-exclusive Dueling Genre content. Head over to DuelingGenre.com support to find out more, and thank you very much for listening. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers. I keep wanting to say The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we'll be talking about Minute 4, which starts with some Gandalf on Balrog action and ends with uh, Sam asking Frodo what's wrong. Frodo says nothing and Sam looks at him with concern. <laughs> As obviously it is not nothing. Yes. So... As, as you wrote so wonderfully in your whoa, notes. Whoa, whoa, spoilers, 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 spoilers. All right, all right. Okay. Why are you taking the wind out of my sails? All right, say what you gotta say. All right, so the first 35 seconds of this minute. You know when you're watching a minute and you're like, wow, I can't believe this is a minute. It's so short. It flies by. Yeah. This is the opposite of that. I would agree. <laughs> watching this on its own as a one-minute chunk is... Something. Something, yeah. <laughs> Drags a bit. Just a bit. A little bit. Um, a lot of bit. Uh, I was counting the seconds, like literally counting the seconds, because I was like, there's no way that this is going to keep, and it keeps going. And it's 35, it's roughly 35 seconds. I think it's like 34 and a half before we get the shot that we like the best. Right. Uh, which is that really pretty wide shot uh, with the pool and the K or the, I guess it's, it's, what's the opposite of a pit? A sinkhole? Uh, whatever it is. It's a, a chasm. Yeah. And then it's blue and then all of a sudden the, the red the, from the Balrog starts bleeding yeah, there's all in. these pretty reds and oranges playing off all these blacks and blues and it's really, yeah. it's gorgeous. That'll probably be the um, screen cap for this minute because... That's, like, the one good shot in this minute. Oh, uh, I mean, Richard Taylor's least favorite shot is in this minute. See, Richard Taylor agrees with me. This is just a bad minute it's all just, around. Just not a good minute. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what what it is about this that just doesn't do anything for me. And I know we're starting off this movie with some negativity. Okay, there was plenty of positivity yesterday. I'm sorry. That's true. That's true. With our magnetic friend Gandalf. Yes. Uh, See, he gets kicked off, and then he like has the sword. He comes back. I feel like the, he's holding the Balrog by the horn. I feel like the Balrog is at a distinct disadvantage here because I know I'm supposed to be rooting for Gandalf, but I just feel bad for it because he's just like slashing, and the Balrog's just like, "Dude, I'm falling. Leave me alone!" And just like kind of batting at him. But this is very uncomfortable. He can't quite. I don't know. Like he. Is, are his arms short? Like, short little T-Rex arms? No, they're not, because it, it slaps Gandalf around a couple times. Like which, by the way, is a fantastic sound effect. He can't get Gandalf off of him. Like, there's... 
He can't. He just can't get Gandalf off his back, literally. No, it's on his front, isn't it? Well, the last part of the minute, he's riding on his back with his sword, like, above the Balrog's head. Oh. The perspective is all weird for me. And it keeps changing. But there's, there's, there's two things about this that make me smile. One is, uh, just because it's so silly, it just makes me laugh every time I watch it, which is Gandalf holding onto the horn and flailing about like a bit of cloth trailing behind something. <laughs> like one of those... Um, like a windsock. You know, like when a truck has like pieces of wood sticking out and it's got the little red flag? Yeah. Yeah. To warn you that it's like a wide load or whatever. Yeah. And it's just whipping in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is kind of silly and funny. And the sound effect of the first time and the clearest time you see the Balrog hit him... Sounds like a wet piece of leather just landed on pavement. Ew. And it just kind of makes me laugh because it's like, I don't think that's the noise flaming rock would make when it hits something soft and made of cloth. Well, I don't know. It's a distinctly solid sound. Yeah. And Gandalf's not wearing armor. No. Unless he's got mithril under there. No, he doesn't have mithril under there. Why not? He should. I mean, maybe. I mean, I guess he doesn't really need it, being that he is not a man at all. Yeah, that's true. Magnetic. So, this whole fight is yeah. What what about it? Is silly end to end. Specifically, doesn't work for you. The thing that doesn't work for me is how much, to me, this takes the sting out of other threats <laughs> the fellowship. Sting. Right, takes the sting <laughs> out of other threats the fellowship come across. And how Gandalf could just be like, no, I've got this, guys. The fact that Gandalf beats the Balrog? Yeah. On his, well, I mean, just just the way that this is set up, it's just like, all right, where was all this acrobatic stuff by Gandalf before? Where was all this jumping, him jumping into the fray and, fray and fighting something three times the size? Well, I mean, he didn't jump. He was dragged. That's fair. Like, literally dragged. Also, they're in free fall. Um, and I, I would assume that it's easier to maneuver around. I mean, he's not Legolas. Yeah. But. But he's, he's physically contending with its strength. Yeah. So why not just stand and fight it while everybody else ran? He was gonna. Well, no, he, he dropped it down a hole. Yeah. I mean, that's. Okay. If your two options were fight the thing or make the thing fall down a hole. So I and my friends could go on our way. I would do the second option. I mean, I'm still of the opinion that Gandalf knew he was going to die in Moria. Let's not take that off the table. Okay. But even so, if Gandalf knew he was going to die in Moria, wouldn't he still try to be like, well, maybe not today. Not today, literal Satan. Not today. <laughs> not, not today. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of Satan. I just, I just think this is... Even considering another scene in this movie, I find over the top, I find Which, that this... Oh, my favorite scene? I find this whoa, whoa, over whoa. the top. <laughs> and not in a good way. I would have much rather just seen the two of them fall. Yeah. And then the chasm shot into the water. Mm -hmm. And then just not know what happens before that. Like what happens in between or what happens after. So you don't want Gandalf to get some like licks in? I don't need to see that until the moment that we get the flashback where he's just like, hey, I'm getting off the white. I, we don't need anything until that. 
But there aren't even, like, there's not even fight scenes in that flashback. It's just, like, him waking up on the mountain. No. And then, like, going through, like... You see him swing the sword of the Balrog a couple times. There's some lightning. He strikes the Balrog with lightning. I mean, I guess it's from far away. I'm Okay. I think the reason that this specifically does not work for me is that all the wide shots do. But, first of all, I can't tell what's going on um, with the close-up stuff. And I don't think the way that it's choreographed or executed is done well. I do, however, really like the wide shot where they're falling into the lake. Yeah. And... I know that in our theatrical review, we mentioned, we talked a little bit about that shot and how, like, Miltonian it is. Yeah. Uh, like, or- Literal fall. Yeah, like, it's very, um, it's very, like, Christian mythology-esque, which I dig in a fantasy story, uh, such as Lord of the Rings, considering that you know, Gandalf literally dies and then comes back, comes back, and there's it's a very stark good and good good versus evil story. Yeah, and I like the nod to Tolkien's uh, faith because Tolkien was a very devout uh, Catholic, and I I don't know if that's intentional or whatever, but I like the I don't know I just. I like it as a, like an homage to the source material and the author. And I think that we mentioned it before in the theatrical review, but I think we should like really try and see if there are any others. I mean, there's one that I noticed in um, the Rohan stuff. Yeah. That I hadn't picked up on before. Had you? Uh, I don't think so. And not, not consciously. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But I I think that shot is really pretty. And it's very evocative. Oh, a, there's another. There's a lot of silly things in Helm's Deep. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> uh, the Olympic torch. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just feels... It feels too... It's, slo- not sloppy. No, it's not sloppy. Too much too soon. Too, especially jumping into the movie this way. Yeah. I feel like even in a movie that has many other kind of unbelievable moments, it's just a couple steps too far. Well, that's, I mean, that's also Peter Jackson's, like, M.O. Like, he pushes the, the camp. Yeah. I think but I think this, this one specifically sticks out. I think this might be... No, that's hard. Uh, looks like meets back on the menu. Boys is pretty freaking campy. Yes, <laughs> that's also in this movie. I don't. I wouldn't even call this campy. Like, um, I it's it like skirts the line. Like because this isn't this isn't framed in a way that it's supposed to be obviously kind of silly. Yeah, and to me that's a necessary part of camp. Well, what about camp that takes itself way too seriously? See, that's unintentional. That's not really campy. That's just someone messing up. Uh, I, I guess. Like, I don't know. I've always thought of camp, like, I've always thought it felt like campy kind of has to be intentional. I mean, have you, have you seen some Doctor Who? Like, <laughs> I mean, do you think it wasn't intentional? Yes, I do. I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know. Um, but I'm not even talking about the new stuff. I'm talking about like the old stuff. I mean, some of the stuff I've watched with you recently is campy, and I don't think it was unintentional at all. Okay. I think that... Like anything with Pertwee that we've watched. I don't think any of that was unintentional. I love Pertwee. It's very... Don't you you dare. (laughs) It's pretty campy. No, I know. Uh, I I had a thought about this. It was concise, and now it flittered away, because I started thinking about Doctor Who. It'll come back to me. Uh, but let's talk about the second half of this minute where Frodo wakes up from his weird dream. Also, okay, this is supposedly a dream? Uh, apparently, yeah. So this isn't the way it happened, I guess. So, okay. If this you... is this is Frodo's heroic image of Gandalf. Okay, so that makes sense with the awesome action shot from the sword. Yeah. And him beating on the, the Balrog. This is like Frodo's, not like adolescent, but like, young adulthood fantasy of like a hero to look up to in his final moments of battle right yeah you know (laughs) cue bonnie tyler this is this is like frodo's internal iconography for what it is to be a hero in middle earth is like gandalf and the stories of fighting these powerful threats and all this other stuff so if you take it in that way then cool yeah this is fine but if this is like how it literally happened i'm just like feels really out of place well, I mean, the last time we saw Gandalf was also in Frodo's. Well, we mind's decided, eye. Yeah, we decided that it wasn't a memory; that it was a vision. Yeah, it was a message. So, is this also like that, or is this just straight up a dream? I'm also not a fan of the trope of like opening with a dream sequence. I'm to like fake you out or whatever. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really into that. Like I understand, I understand that they needed something exciting. They needed so- they needed to reintroduce Gandalf, and the most exciting thing that happened with Gandalf was when he like died in the first movie. So, yeah. But I don't think. Like I understand the drive to like want this initial moment with Gandalf, but I don't know if it's necessary. Yeah. Because Ian McKellen's performance as Gandalf in the first movie is so memorable. Right. Like I don't really know if this moment is necessary. But then I'm wondering how much of this was the studio as well, because the studio was like, hey, you need to recap the entire three-hour movie that you just made. Hey, we want another Kate Blanchett narrated prologue, even yeah. though we didn't want Kate Blanchett to narrate it the first time. <laughs> it was really good. I enjoyed her dulcet tones. Uh, can you do that again? And Peter Jackson's like, no. No. I have a different plan. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't. This doesn't do anything for me. I think it is. I don't even know if it outlandish is the word that I'm looking for. But he he did such a good job of, like, grounding the the narrative in Fellowship. Yeah. That this feels outlandish. Right. Like, he, he put together a really nice framework that felt really grounded in reality. And then yeah. this is the first thing well, in the second movie. Just enough. Grounded in reality enough. Well, not even reality, because, like, the Shire and everything right right reality isn't like it felt almost like it could be real there was nothing that really felt so far yeah out into the supernatural i mean aside from a man yelling at the clouds and making them do what he wants but even that like even that is just like the concept like a dude controls the weather like that's crazy right but but it's also execution i think it's done very not subtly but like 
with the right amount of subtlety. Right. To, and it's, I mean, it's just clouds, like, you know. Yeah. The concept itself is bigger than right. what it looks like. And I mean, and it touches on a concept in the books that's not translated directly into the movies per se, mm-hmm. which is that nature itself is alive. Like the mountain has a name and a voice and a spirit. And that's right. what Saruman like gets to work against them. And we, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but we're really notoriously bad at that. So uh, on brand. But I mean, the trees in, right. in um, the old forest. Fangorn Forest, not the Old Forest. That's well, in the, the Old Forest in the book. Right. And and in Fangorn, both in yeah. the book. So, I... I don't know. I, I know I'm going to think of the word that I found a few minutes ago after I hit stop. But. Well, he, he, like, he drew a square and put everything he wanted in that square and then said, oh, no, wait, there's one more thing. I don't have space. Drew a little circle out here somewhere. It's just, like, perfect. I guess. I don't know. My analogy makes sense to somebody. No. Made sense to me in my brain. I mean, that's what counts, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Up here in my own headspace, that made perfect sense. Uh, Richard Taylor's least favorite shot. So, when I was watching the design commentary, I'm watching it, and Richard Taylor's talking about how much he loves some of this Balrog stuff, and how much he loves that shot of them falling, and then it switches to Frodo, and the first words out of Richard Taylor's mouth are, and this is my least favorite shot in the whole film. <laughs> Why, Richard Taylor? <laughs> because the color matching on Frodo's ear is off from his face. And now that you pointed that out... You see it. I can't unsee it. It's like it's like charcoal gray. Or yeah. not charcoal, but like ash it's, gray. It's gray, yeah. The ear is gray. And it's like, thanks, Richard Taylor. Now I can't unsee it either. And now I'm going to be paying attention to Hobbit ears for the rest of this movie. You know, I was thinking about Hobbit ears um, in a non-creepy way. Uh, and... I don't know if we've ever talked about the fact that how much I like that they're pointed. Yeah, they're little pointed ears. Um, that even the hobbits, who are, I guess, our, our audience go-betweens, even the hobbits have some elements of the fantastical about them, aside well, from their, like, shortness and their, their feet. And their giant hairy feet. Yeah. They're half-sized people with giant hairy feet and pointy, attentive ears. Yeah, but not quite, like, elven like, they're, like, broader, and they have less of a point. I don't know. I'm kind of into and it. They have a lot less uh, detail, too, inside the ear itself than, like, the elven ears do. Mm. There's a very there's a very large, flat plane inside the ear. Much bigger than the elven ones. I don't know if that's because the elven ones are just, like, tips. No, they're not, right? Because they're they're, like, a full prosthetic. I don't think they're as full of prosthetic as these Hobbit ones are. Because these, these Hobbit ones, ones have to look, work into the hair and, like, really yeah. blend in. These ones look like they go over the ear instead yeah. of, like, incorporated into their actual ear. Yeah. It makes them look more distinct, though, so that's good. Yeah. It's not like the Hobbits are just wearing the elven prosthetic. Right, right. I, I, I like that. They're, like, little, like, bat ears, almost. Do we ever get a, do we ever get a good look at, like, Gimli's ears? I wonder if he's wearing ear prosthetics. I... I don't know for sure off the top of my head. Have to pay attention. I think that... I think the the shot that they... Like, one of the first makeup tests they did in um, La Florian, where he oh, doesn't yeah. have the helmet. Yeah, he's got ears. I think He's got big prosthetic ears on, doesn't he? I don't remember. I think he does. That I'd was, have to go back and look. That was in the before... In the first age. <laughs> right? We're in the second age. <laughs> 
<laughs> the second age of our beautiful podcast. Right. So I don't. I mean, I remember his bald head. Yes. Um, but I don't. His remember. very high forehead. Yes. I don't know if he's bald. I don't think he's bald. I just remember there's a lot of forehead going on. He's got like a very high forehead with lots of. Blemishes. But I think his uh, his wig and the helmet mostly cover his ears. Yeah, because they decided not to do that to poor poor JRD again with that mm-hmm. full bumpy makeup. Yeah. But yeah, so that's Richard Taylor's least favorite shot is that prosthetic doesn't match the color of Elijah Wood's face very well. But it matches like the surroundings. Yeah. Like everything's really dingy and gray. So it's like, not like noticeable. It's not right. like glaring. Right. And it's not even it's not even so far off that I would have ever noticed without someone telling me that right. it was wrong. But now that you now that it's been pointed right. out. Like in Fellowship, I, I never ever had noticed that Aragorn's bow hits the camera. <laughs> until someone pointed it out. Into the wild. Wow. It's just <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna write that off as it hits a branch. Yeah. Check. Yeah, it's definitely it's like corpse gray. Yeah. He's he's got a dead ear. And like Sam is like looking right at it or like his eye line in this shot. He's just like, "Oh man, that ear looks terrible." <laughs> Mr. Frodo, you got to get that checked. <laughs> Maybe it's just like dirty. Was he just laying on No, he wasn't laying on the He was laying side. on the other side. Yeah, okay. Never mind. I still don't know how their cloaks work. It's still a mystery to me. Especially Sam with the backpack. Yeah. Like, it's not bunched up underneath. Right? Cue that X-Files music. We yeah, have no idea how this I works. Know. But, and it's not like it's got panels. It's... I th- they're just wearing it differently, whether you're looking at it from the back or the front. It's the only way it makes sense. And it's just a continuity thing that just drives me a little batty. It's... It's... I don't know. We We need to solve this mystery. The mystery of the cape. Of the elven cloaks. Like... It's driving me crazy. Right. But now I can't, especially because they have that scene with uh, actually using the cloaks. Right. For their intended purpose in right. this movie. And how? If they also have backpacks. Well, Frodo isn't carrying the backpack. That's true. Sam's the only one wearing carrying the backpack. With all of his cooking stuff. Right. Yeah, but Sam is making that cloak useless by carrying I, his backpack on the outside of it. I don't understand. But that's neither here nor there. Any other notes? I don't think so. I'm glad we're out of the whatever that was and into the actual movie. Dream movie? sequence, fight, memory, prologue, whatever it was. Let us move on from that. Yes. Yes. It is twice now we've watched our good friend Gandalf die. Well, not yet. I mean, he just plunged into an icy water, watery abyss. Yeah. Oh, were you going to talk about how the, the Balrog was supposed to be all slimy? Oh. Yeah, so originally they planned, like, more of the fight, as it's kind of described in the book. God, thank God they didn't include that. <laughs> and Peter Jackson, like, got an estimate back for what it would cost. Is like, oh, another $50,000 for the special effect? Uh, we'll just skip that. For just the the slimy Balrog. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. Not for any of the other stuff they wanted to do. Like, filming fights up stairwells and through caves and on the side of the mountain. So instead, we just have the, the scene later. But with, like, dripping, slimy, extinguished Balrog. Yeah. And then as the fight progresses and he dries dries out, he slowly starts starts... cracking and burning again. That makes sense. Which would have been kind of cool to see the process. I mean, the Balrog's effects are still really cool. Yes. It's it's just... But I I don't need to see more of Gandalf versus the Balrog and their three-day fight from the deepest pits to the highest peaks you know of what? I, Moria. You know what I don't... I think I kind of 
quick. I gotta get it out of my, my brain before it, it disappears again. It's it's too extra. Like Especially for Gandalf. <laughs> well not even like the I like the Balrog in the first movie because of how little we see of it. Like we see it, but we don't even we don't know anything about it. Right. I mean Gandalf does his spiel and if you know what he's talking about, you know what he's talking about. Right. But I like that that's the only bit of the Balrog we get to see. Mm. And I feel like some of the magic is ruined by this fight scene. Right. Like, if you, you show too much, then you kind of... Yeah. A monster loses its mystique. Right. Yeah. Which, sometimes you can show a lot of a monster and it works really well. Like in Aliens. Mm -hmm. That was a good step up in the way that the monster was put together. Sometimes... Showing a monster that's not supposed to move, move, doesn't work. <laughs> like the Weeping Angels. Oh, the Weeping Angels. But it's funny because I just learned that uh, he's basing that episode off of Aliens, so your analogy kind of falls through. Well, he didn't... Because basing it off Yeah, aliens. but he didn't succeed. <laughs> uh, but... You know, That's you just know my I mean? opinion. He you know didn't what I mean? succeed. Like, the, there's too much, too much power up. Right. I'm like, I'm fine with I'm fine with like the the week and a half of Balrog. Right. Like the the kind of micro narrative of the Balrog in the first movie works so well because it's very much like an old school monster thing. It's yeah. like you get the kind of rumor that it exists with drums, drums in the deep mm -hmm. and all the other stuff. Well, and then the fires and then Gandalf's just this enemy is beyond any of you. <laughs> This is like, well, what is it? Well, you get, and I think you're, I think you are onto something about it. Like diminishes the threat of the Balrog, uh, because I mean, like we get like hints of it with Saruman, and Saruman's afraid of it. Gandalf's afraid of it, but then seeing Gandalf not afraid of it anymore here, kind of it just takes that away. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I would have much rather seen maybe if you were going to do the slightly extra thing. Just have him get the sword back, land on the Balrog and raise the sword and cut to the fall into the water and then do the it's a dream. Yeah. If you want to do a little it's, bit of the... It's tricky because like... I like, just want the fall into the water shot. No, yeah. It's gorgeous. That's I, all you need. I I am I am glad that, you know, putting... Not putting up with, but uh, going through this this little journey with Gandalf... Uh, has yielded such a pretty shot. Yes. <laughs> it was a very pretty shot. I I don't know. I, I feel like that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, me too. It would have been kind of interesting to see some more of the special effects with the Balrog. And I understand they, sp they, they spent a lot of money on the special effect and they wanted to use it more. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it from that regard. I think you could have done like slightly more subtle things with it. If you wanted to show part of the fight with Gandalf. Yeah. I think... Because um, this is... It's very action movie in a movie that is decidedly not an action movie. Well, it's about to be an action movie for like an hour. You know what I mean by action movie. Uh, no. Like big, over the top, two guns blasting, crazy action. Group war stuff is not what I mean when I say action movie. There's a difference between a war movie and an action movie. There's a difference between a war scene and an action scene. Yeah, I guess. But there are action scenes in the war scenes. Yes. And they mostly have to do with an elf. 
Well, excuse me. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of bummed that this is the opener for our movie. Right? That's okay. But we're on to bigger and better things. So I think that's everything. Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. So thank you guys for listening. If you haven't checked out our Facebook listener group, The Fellowship of the Mic, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, join. It's a closed group. Uh, and so just ask to be let in and we will let you in. Mm-hmm. Speak, friend, and enter. Uh, and also, if you haven't already... Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, especially for that we're starting our second season, so we've been dormant for a while. So the more new reviews, the better for us, and, and we the, really appreciate it. Yeah, and the the more exposure we get, the more you can spread this around. And new year, sh- new podcast. That's right. Kind share of. share your obsession with your friends. Yeah. So. Share our obsession with your friends. Well, I mean, I would assume that if they're still listening to us, they're at least a little bit obsessed with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's fair. I would I would say that's a reasonable assumption to make. Yes. You know, just contextual clues. Uh, anyway, so we'll be back tomorrow.